You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. How many men were at Men's Prayer Tuesday morning? Show of hands. Come on. Thank you, you warriors. Men's Prayer Tuesday morning. Uh, Pastor Alex Clark was leading like a boss and... and uh, and he said, hey, you know, do you have anything to, to, that you want to share at the end of worship? And I said, well, I don't yet. I, I like kind of just turning up and then just hearing from God. And worship's always the greatest place to hear from God. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, uh, I want you to, 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 to teach on the fact that every man in here is facing something, is warring against something, is battling against something. And give people permission, give the men permission. Because I've been a Christian for 36 years and I don't know if there's been a week where I'm not fighting something. I don't know if there's a week where I'm not warring against something. And so, Mark Leposky, we can think that we're doing something wrong if we're again in a battle or again in a fight or again in a war. And, and, uh, but God says, no, no, that's, it. that's how I bring kings out of shepherds. Goliath, standing in a valley, piping off for 40 days and 40 nights, brought a king, David, out of a little shepherd boy looking after a few sheep. Your adversity is your promotion. God God will allow your adversity. Your adversary will not prevail. Your adversary will not triumph. Your adversary will not conquer you. Your adversary will not dominate you, but your adversary is there to bring something out of you. Every time you're facing a war or a battle, get ready because that giant, that thing that you're facing, that thing that you're, when, when Jacob wrestled, it was to his promotion. Whatever you're wrestling, whatever you're warring, whatever you're fighting, you're not doing anything wrong. God has sent that your way to give you a lift, to give you a promotion. You're about to go to another level. Somebody say amen. So come with me, uh, Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Exodus 17, verse 8. I think they'll put the, the, uh, there it is. says, uh, now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Rephidim means valley of the giants. And And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men. Moses said to Joshua. Moses, the leader, said to Joshua, his assistant, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand because it's safe up there and I don't want to get my... Okay, I shouldn't add stuff to the verses. A lot of people think Moses went up onto the mountain because it was safe up there. He wasn't going up there because it was safe up there. So Joshua did as Moses commanded him or said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and they put it under him. And he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. And his hands were steady, his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Everyone say, his hands were steady. His hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar there and he called, the, called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So if you're in a war right now, can I just tell you, you're in the right spot. If you're facing something right now, you're doing something right, not something wrong. If you're, if you're walking through something, if you're wrestling with something, get ready, get ready, get ready. Now come with me, Judges chapter 3, then we're, then we're going to uh, let this thing fly. Judges chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now these are the nations which the Lord left. These are the nations which the Lord left. This is, they've crossed into the promised land. God says, I'll drive out the Amorite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, the Perizzite. I'll drive them all out. No man shall be able to stand before you. But these are the ones he left in there that he didn't drive out. These are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formally known it. Namely, the five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites, who dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal, Hermon, to the entrance of Hamath. The Bible says they were left, that he might test Israel by them. God, le- God left, God intentionally left giants. He intentionally left adversity. He intentionally left enemies. He intentionally left Philistines. He intentionally left these folks in the land and did not drive, he did not drive them out so that the, the, the next generation that came up under Joshua might be taught to know warfare. This is important because how you get something is how you keep it. How you get something is how you keep it. Ask anybody who won the lottery... It's incredible. I remember down under in Australia, one of my best friends had a guy in his church who won the lottery in Australia, won the lottery. And within 10 months was worse off than before he won the lottery. Today, when you win the lottery, they make you do financial counseling course first because if you have a debt mentality, the worst thing to do is throw more money at it. If you have a consumption mindset, the worst thing to do is give that person more money and powers, whatever is there. So you can't just give someone a million dollars and think they'll understand the wisdom that comes with the the, the money. How you get something is how you keep it. So God left enemies so the children of Israel would go to war against the enemies so that they understood the same level of warfare to take the territory is the same level of warfare required to protect the territory. So sometimes we wonder why God is is taking us through warfare, why God has not cast this thing out. Why did God not completely heal me? Why didn't God completely deliver me? Man, why didn't God completely give me the breakthrough? Is because He wants you to learn warfare because how you get it is how you keep it. How you drive it out is how you protect it in the future. So let me give you three quick thoughts. The first one is this, the battle eternal. The battle eternal. 
The Bible says in the book of Colossians that that which is seen is visible, but that which is unseen is eternal. Sorry, that which is seen or visible is temporal, excuse me. But that which is unseen is eternal. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against thrones and dominions, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Your, 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 your biggest battle, my biggest battle is in the unseen realm, is in the eternal realm. Right now, right now, if I, if I brought a, a transistor radio in here, we could... It's fine time to leave me. I mean, we could, there's, there's, there's invisibly, there's airwaves in here. There's, there's AM and FM frequency waves in here. You can't see them. They're invisible. The Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He wants to occupy the airwaves. That's why, that's why we've been dealing with fake news. Fake news is just a 21st century vernacular for false prophets. They're, they're false prophets. I, I hope you know they're false prophets. They're false prophets because they said we we're going into an ice age, and then they said, oh, no, actually, no, no, uh, the, the earth's heating up, and, and, you know, it's global warming. And then every global warming conference was, just happened to be the coldest day, the coldest day, the coldest day. So they changed it to, to climate change. But it's like, man, unless we deal with a catastrophe, we've only got, you know, 12 years left. And that was three years ago. And, and uh, the, the polar bears, the polar bears are going to be, oh, we've got more polar bears now than we've ever, okay, scratch the, get rid of, just forget, just pre pretend we never mentioned polar bears. But the polar ice caps are melt, the polar ice, and, and islands are going to disappear. Islands in the Pacific, what's that? There's more land in the, the, the island, or oh, there's more, okay, scratch that scratch that and then what a Russian frigate ran aground four miles out because the ice has expanded that much they've got hundreds of miles more I will just scratch let's just let's just call it let's just that they are false prophets the devil occupies occupies he, he wants to occupy Nimrod wanted to build a tower whose top was in the heavens to make a name for themselves. They wanted to blot out the name of God, but they wanted to put the name of men up there. When we were in Europe a number of years ago, as we went through little villages in, in Germany and in Switzerland and in, in France, we noticed something. We noticed that the tallest buildings in those little villages were the church. The tallest thing was the steeple. And I remember somebody saying, yeah, you know, that way if somebody staggers out of one of the, the, the pubs or one of the restaurants drunk and, and they know they live in the village, all they've got to do is look to the steeple and they know, okay, that's the centre of town. I can still make my way home. <laughs> Prophetic. That when people are messed up, they can look to the church and find their way back home, find their way back home. But if you look at our cities in the Western world, if you look at our cities today, it's not churches that have the highest. The, the Muslims, whenever they build a mosque, they, 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 their minarets, uh, they want it high because they, they, know, they understand the high places. They understand whoever dominates the high places dominates the landscape. And so in our, in our cities, we have banks and insurance companies are the tallest buildings in our cities. The bank, man's trust in mammon, insurance, the dominating spirit over the land is a spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. And so it's fear and greed that dominate and destroy our cities. 
Satan wants to occupy that realm. Moses says to Joshua, Amalek is coming to war. And I want you to go into the valley and I want you to fight with Amalek in the valley. I'm going to go up onto the mountaintop. Why are you going up there? I'm going up there because I'm going to go and intercede. I'm going to go up because even though the battle is fought in the valley, victory is wrought in the heavenlies. Even though, the, even though your battle is in the flesh. The Bible says we don't wrestle flesh and blood. But even though I'm trying to pay this mortgage, man, I've got this debt. The doctors diagnosed me with this lymphoma. With this, The doctors have said this. The experts have said, even though your battle is in the natural realm, is in the valley, you need to understand that victory is wrought in the heavenly realm. It is wrought in the spiritual realm. It happens first in the spirit and then it comes through into the natural. So Moses goes up onto the mountain and he holds the rod of God above his head. And the Bible says that while the rod was elevated, Israel prevailed. But when Moses let the rod down, when Moses, the Bible says Amalek prevailed. I don't understand why awakened church every week they pray for their pastors. Have you noticed? Have you noticed, Pastor Alex, say, always praying, let's pray for Pastor Ewan and Leanne. Let's pray for Dr. Matt and Michaela. Let's pray for Samuel and Katie Doof. The reason we pray for our pastors is because they're the ones on the top of the mountain praying for breakthrough, praying for victory. Watch this, watch this. Because the Bible says when Moses became weary, do you know how many churches the devil was able to decimate because the pastor became weary, because the pastor had a burnout, because the pastor had a breakdown? They set him on a rock. The rest is in the rock, Jesus Christ. But Aaron and her held up his arms. Aaron and her held up his arms because when Moses grew weary, there were casualties in the valley. But when Moses' hands were strong, when they were extended, there was victory in the valley. Our assignment and our job is to make sure that you have victory. But I'm telling you, our pastors, I'm telling you, our leaders, our warriors who do battle in the heavenly realms so that you can walk into blessing. Man, ever since I came to Awaken Church, man, we are flourishing. Our marriage has never better. Our family's never been better. Our finances never been better. We didn't think we could buy a home. And man, you, you will walk into a blessing in a valley that you have no idea because because there's a man on a mountain. There's a leader on a mountain crying out, Shikaraba. He's, he's in worship. He's in praise. He's in devotion on the mountain. So you can have the breakthroughs in the valley. Can somebody say amen? So, so we fight, we fight in the heavenly realm, in the eternal. The second one is what I call the battle internal. The second battle is the battle internal. Every single one of us have an operating system. Just like, you know, your computer comes with Windows or, you know, you've got a MacBook. They have different operating systems. A computer has an operating system. You have an operating system. 
And the, the, the devil knows you have an operating system, an internal operating system. Most of our default settings are shaped by traumas, shaped by experiences that we had in our childhood. So many of us, and I'm gonna just kind of preach about me, have, have, a, have a, an operating system where no matter what happens, my, my default setting was, I'm not good enough. No, no, no they, 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 they can't really like me because the first person who should have liked me should have been my papa. If anybody is proud of somebody, surely a papa is proud of his boy. But my papa never said that. He told me I was a mistake. He only ever spoke angrily to me. And every time I did something good, it was never good enough. So my default operating system, the amount of relationships that it ruined, the amount of blessings I couldn't walk into because I thought, what's the point of even applying for that job? Man, what's the point of even stepping out? Because my, my operate, I, I, one of my biggest battles was the battle internal. I, I, would, I would tell, and I'll tell it again. My, I, I could, when, when God said, I want you to start Emerge Men, and this is what it looks like. I said, fine, you know, I'll, I'll do everything, but I'll just be behind the scenes because I can't get up to preach to men because the first man who was uh, meant to affirm masculinity or manhood in me, my father, was checked out. And so I never got that. When Jesus came up out of the, out of the waters of baptism, the heavens open and God speaks and says, you are my son greatly beloved in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hasn't done a miracle, not one. Hasn't preached a sermon, not one. The Father affirms him and then out of that affirmation, Jesus dominates the landscape. Every single one of us, every single one of us have an operating system. Some of those operating systems have guilt in there. I'm, I'm a constant failure. I'm, man, I, I, you know, I messed up over here and I messed up over there. And you know, no matter what I do, it's not good enough. Others, it's worse, we have shame. The difference between guilt and shame is guilt says I did wrong, shame says I am wrong. Shame says there's something wrong with me. I am the problem. And I want you to know in this house, we don't think our job is over when you get saved. In this house, we know that our job begins when you get saved. And the first thing we want to do is we want to take out your broken operating system. We want to, we want to power you up. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We want to put a brand new operating system in you so that you begin to find my God. Since this new operating system is in me, I'm thinking differently, I'm seeing differently, I'm operating different, I'm walking into favor, I'm walking into blessing. Instead of disqualifying, you start, quali you start stepping into. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, when He comes, He will, he will, he will remind you of everything I said. He, will, he won't even speak of His own. But he'll, he, everything he says will line up with the Word of God. In fact, his job is to get this Word so that it dominates your operating system. 
I am blessed and highly favored. I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the country. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to reprogram your operating system. And you begin to see differently, you begin to think differently. Now, let me just kind of say something about the Holy Spirit. You, will, you, you should never hear, and if, if, if it happens, I'll correct it. But we never ever refer to the Holy Spirit as it. He is not an it. Nowhere is he it. He is he. He is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is a person. When the Holy Spirit fills you, there is a person. It is God living on the inside of you. And the most beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is He leads and guides. It's, it's a magnificent thing, Alex. It's better than a compass. A compass can help you find true north. The Holy Spirit is like, don't do that. Well, no one's watching. Yeah, I am. Oh, shoot, I forgot about you. The Holy Spirit will convict you. He'll lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will give you words. He'll give you thoughts. He'll give you, you're like, oh man, I couldn't do that. And the Holy Spirit will bring a scripture to you. Like, my God, I forgot about that. I can do all things through Christ who gives me. And the Holy Spirit, greater is He that is in me than the Holy Spirit. In this church, we want you to get filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, when you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. People are like, well, you know, I don't like your church because you say that it's like, you know, you don't get the Holy Spirit when you get saved. And, you know, there's like a baptism. Like a thing. And let me, let, me just, let me just explain. When you get saved, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and you are born again, just like this water. Mm. Is that vodka? Just kidding. Just kidding. All right. So, so that will put, someone's going to tweet that. All right. <laughs> so, so when you get saved, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit absolutely comes and lives on the inside of you. You're born again. But Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem because in a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they, when they baptize, when John, as, and Jesus even says, just like John baptized in water. When John baptized in water, he was in the Jordan River and he took people and he immersed them and they came up. He said, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is I take this vessel that has water in it, that has the Holy Spirit in, in me, this, and I drop it into a 44-gallon drum. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So this becomes completely immersed in the Holy Spirit. That's, you'll hear about the anointing. Man, that guy carries an anointing. That's all it is, is, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God on you. We want to get power on you. We want to get power in you. We want to, you, you need to understand that God wants to change the operating system so you, you have the same operating system that Jesus of Nazareth had. Jesus said, the miracles I do, you'll do, and even greater works than these. Somebody say amen. The last one, number three is the battle external, is the battle external. So we have the battle eternal, the battle internal, and then the battle external. You know, we have, we have six campuses right now, and a lot of people, well, you know, they're, they're just, you know, they're like, they're, they're like real estate moguls, away, you know, they? like they're buying buildings. You, the church isn't a building, it's the people. Yeah, but the people got to meet somewhere. 
Thank God we had buildings because when they tried to shut down the church, we said, you can blow it out your shorts. We can do whatever we like in our building. So it's important to have buildings. But we didn't, we don't, we don't buy buildings just to have buildings. Every building is an altar. I need you to understand every building is an altar. You know, at DMV, they do DMVing. At restaurants, they do restauranting. But here in, in this building, something different happens in the city. In this building, praise goes up. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. So you need to understand this. No other building is transmitting into heaven. But everywhere where we have a footprint, everywhere where we have a property that we own, from that property, praise and worship is broadcasting into the heavenly realm. Jacob saw a vision of a ladder set up from earth to heaven. He said, this must be the house of God because he saw angels ascending, going up and descending, coming down. It's not a one-way street. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of His people. As our praise goes up, His presence comes down. As our worship goes up, His glory comes down. People driving past, people walking past, begin to think God thoughts for the first time. They, they begin to think, man, I've been cheating on my taxes, cheating on my spirit, cheating. And they feel convicted. I think, man, this is not how we ought. And they, they begin to, to be, I don't know what it was, but I saw the light. I saw, I just felt like I, the amount of testimonies we have of I was driving by, driving by, and I, and I just felt compelled to. It's because it's an altar. It's an altar where we're literally altering the spiritual terrain. We're altering the spiritual climate. We're altering the culture of the city. That's why we want to fill the city with altars, bonfires of worship going up, praise going up, prayers going up on a Tuesday morning, prayers going up on a Thursday morning. Worship on a Sunday, worship on a Wednesday, preaching on a Sunday. The Word released in this pulpit, it changes the city. It changes lives. It releases miracles. It brings people into breakthrough. It brings people into transformation. It's the battle external. Change the atmosphere. Let, let, let me finish. Every, everything, everything, everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. When, when, when Moses went up onto the mountain with the rod of God in his hand, he stood on the, on the mountain while Joshua fought in the valley. And as the sun was setting, because his arms got weary, he sat on a rock and Aaron and Hur held up his hands. The Bible says Aaron was on one side and her was on the other side. And they held up his hands. And because they held up his hands, Joshua had a victory in the valley. Joshua, he's fighting the Amalekites in the valley. And as he looks up with the setting sun, on the mountain, he sees a picture. And the picture should look familiar. Three men on a hill with their hands like this. 
Moses in the middle with a man on his right with a man on his left if the devil was half as smart as he claims he would have never have crucified the Lord of glory if he knew what was happening because watch this for Moses to intercede for Moses to bring victory he had to keep praising no matter what was happening in the valley he had to keep his worship no matter what was going on in the battle with Joshua and the Amalekites he had to he had to keep his hands up they took Jesus and they put him on a cross between two thieves stupid devil nails his hands thinking I will pain you I will punish you oh I'm gonna I'm gonna mock you and crucify you and when they lifted him up he was in this position and when he became weary he was still in this position Moses went up and said, I will keep my worship on. There was no greater act than worship of worship. There was no greater act of devotion. There was no greater act of consecration. There was no greater act of intercession than Jesus going to the cross. And when, as they put the, he didn't, they didn't pull his arms out. He gave his arms on the left and right because he knew my hands will be, will be nailed into a position where my hands will be up because my Father, what I wrought on the mountain, what I bring at Calvary is going to bring deliverance in the valley. It's going to bring deliverance to the addict. It's going to bring deliverance to the heroin junkie. It's going to bring deliverance to those struggling with crack cocaine. It's going to bring deliverance to the person struggling with alcoholism. It's it's going to bring deliverance and salvation and freedom and victory in the valley. He's hands come on give God a praise how awesome is our God hallelujah come on stand to your feet stand to your feet hallelujah hallelujah if you need if you need a I just feel the Holy Spirit wanting to break some mindsets break some mindsets break some mindsets just if your operating system is man I'm I'm disqualified. Your your default is I'm no good. I'm not good enough. Just put your hand over your mind right now. Father, I break every lie. I break every lie. I break every lie. I break the lie of the devil in the name of Jesus. Can I just tell you the reason Jesus came is because none of us were good enough. But I want you to know Jesus has washed you. He has cleansed you. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. That Jesus, in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, it says, Jesus took the handwriting that was against us, the, the disqualifications that were against us, every violation and every transgression of God's laws. He took the handwriting that was against us, having nailed it to the cross. If you know anything about the cross, there was blood dripping from the man on the cross. If the devil tries to present to God, your heavenly father, your disqualifications, 
if he tries to say, no, 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 I have the handwriting of disqualifications. Why you can't bless Jurgen? Here it is. And when he presents it to God, God's like, man, I can't, I can't read this. It's covered in blood. Whose blood is this? I can't even make out half the letters. It says, Jurgen, on the 4th of January, I can't even read the rest of it. It's covered in, whose, whose blood is that? the blood of the Son. It's the blood. He took the handwriting that was against us. Your sins, as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. God forgives our sins and remembers them no more. I said, God forgives our sins, our trespasses, and remembers them no more, no more. If God has forgiven, and if God has chosen to forget, why do you remember and why do you not forgive? So I want you to take a moment right now and let it go. Let it go. Let it go. When Yeshua, when Jesus hung on the cross, He broke the power. He paid full price. He paid full price. Nobody paid a higher price. Your sins have been atoned. They have paid for. There's no higher price in the universe. You beating yourself up, you going to guilt and shame is not greater than what Jesus did on the cross. There was no greater shame than being crucified. There was no greater shame than being stripped naked and beaten and publicly excoriated in front of it. The, the guilt and the shame that Jesus bore was your guilt, your shame, so that you could be forgiven. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Say these words, say, I am a child of God. I am a child of the Most High. I am greatly loved. I am deeply loved. My heavenly Father sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to be my Savior. Jesus, save me, cleanse me, wash me clean, broke the power of sin broke the power of the devil off my life so that today I can live in God's smile. I can live in God's blessing. I can experience God's goodness. I've escaped judgment and I live in blessing. If you believe that, give God a praise. Give Him a praise. Give Him a praise. Give Him a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I feel the anointing. Just lift your hands one more time. I know I'm, I'm over time and out of time and I've got to hand over. But I just I hear God healing. There's somebody here with a liver condition. God is healing that liver condition. If that's you with a liver condition, just put your hand on your liver. God is healing that right now. You'll feel a warmth going right through. You'll feel a warmth going right through you. Father, I thank you right now. That liver being healed. That liver being healed. That liver being healed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Someone constant migraines. God is healing you. Another person, it's, it's, it's pain. It's like arthritic pain. Right now, you'll feel the power of God go right through you like a lightning bolt. And the pain, pain just left. The pain just left. I just saw it. Who, who was that one? The pain just left. You had like pain, in, especially and numbness in, in, in your joints, but more pain. Power of God just went. Power of God just went through you. Power of God just went through you. Healing. Who is that one? Just give me a wave. Give me a wave. 
Somebody just got healed. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Who else is there? Someone over there? Thank you. Thank you. Feel that? That's the power of God. Power of God. Power of God. There's favor on you, sir. There's favor on you. There's favor on you. There's favor on you. I see God reawakening the dreams. The dreams that you had as a young man, God is revisiting those and breathing on those and reawakening the dreams of serving God, of doing something great, of being a blessing to all who know you. That's happening over your life, happening over your life. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a woman here, and I don't want to embarrass, but there's a woman here and in, in your reproductive region, there, there's been all kinds of pain, all kinds of complications. Uh, Endometriosis, endometriosis. The words pop into my head. I don't even know what they mean, but I'm sure someone else does. And you've been unable to get pregnant. And I just see God is just—he's just flipping something. He's—he's he's flipping something. He's flipping something. Whoever that is, right now, you're—you're you're feeling a warmth. You're feeling a warmth in your lower abdomen as God is healing. There's a house of healing. It's a house of miracles. It's a house of breakthrough. It's a house of deliverance. Listen to me. Stupid devil. Stupid devil. Nailed Jesus' hands in the same position that Moses needed to have his hands so that Joshua could defeat the Amalekites. Jesus' hands were on the cross right up to his last breath so that you could be delivered you could be saved heaven could be your home you could have eternal life all your sins washed away breakthrough healing debt cancellation prosperity blessing abundance come on give god a great praise thanks for listening to find out more about our locations team and what we do here at awakened church go to awakenedchurch.com